welcome once again to Radio Brews News, the best cold podcast. As ever, I'm joined by my good friend and colleague and executive producer, Pete Prof Mitchum. Pete, welcome aboard once again. G'day, Matt. G'day, listeners. How are we all? Hey, Matt, did you <laughs> did you realise that there's a drinking game uh, going on, which incidentally I don't condone drinking games, um, but apparently every time I say, as ever, um, and there are a couple of other sayings that apparently have spawned a bit of a drinking game. All right, okay. Apparently, I've, I've, I, I apparently have a few favourite expressions. Um, that I throw in, and uh, yes, but children, if you're playing at home or if you're listening at home, drink less, drink better, and drink for flavour and not effect. So, if you're going to drink your drinking game, make it part of the eight litres of water you should be drinking every day. In addition to which, I know that a lot of people listen to our uh, podcast as a as a podcast on their portable MP3 player on the train, for example. So that would mm. that would that would look a bit odd to uh, other communities. Right? <laughs> yes. Likewise, the people who you know perhaps during the sneaky lunch hour listen to us uh, at their work cubicle. Uh, likewise, that that may be frowned on when the Oc Health and Safety <laughs> rep <laughs> passes by. Oh, it's okay. I'm just listening to Radio Brews News. Oh, in that case, <laughs> carry on drinking. So so listen uh, listen and drink responsibly. Yes, yes, and and, and listen responsibly as well. Mate, what have you been up to this week? It's been it, it, look. I, I, I should say it's been a very, uh, very busy week for, for Brews News, of weeks, which is which has been good. Um, bringing beer out east, we did a out in the outer eastern suburbs. Um, they're again they're they're a, a venue that's sort of very different to the you know inverted commas craft beer uh, venues around the you know, the city and the inner suburbs. Um, a, a very different sort of setup and a model, and you know car parking at the front and all sorts of things that these other places don't have. Um, but they're allowed, they've got a couple of guest taps, which they're, so there's the usual suspects, um, but then all of a sudden, for example, the night that um, that I did the the tasting, Mountain Goat Rare Breed IPA on tap. I thought, wow, how good's that? Um, so they're very sort of small steps at the, at the moment, but getting uh, getting the word out there one beer at a time. So it was good to good to get out there and and, and speak to some some locals who uh, we did Stone and Wood Pacific Ale, we did Kawinda Pale Ale, Mountain Goat Steam, Hargroves Hill uh, Hefeweizen, and we did finished up with the James Squire Porter. Uh, for a lot of the punters there, they hadn't had any of those beers before. Some they hadn't you know they hadn't even heard of. So to be introducing those people to some really good uh, new experiences. Uh, and then to see the the Twitter follow up and getting some emails from them as well, and they all filled out little uh, sort of like a little ratings card, um, and the the feedback was really positive. So small step, but it's um, in the right direction. Excellent. Well, I did a um, dinner at a homebrew conference, uh, the, the Queensland Homebrewers Conference, the inaugural homebrew conference uh, last Saturday night, and uh, you know, it's, geez, nothing scarier than uh, trying to get up and uh, you know express your knowledge about beer in front of a bunch of uh, passionate homebrewers. Um, so I didn't uh, concentrate too much on the beer. They were already converts, but I looked at the food. And, gee, it was a hard one to do. I, Being homebrewed beers, I'd not had the chance to try any of the beers um, beforehand, um, including one that was a uh, collaboration between Onya Ohora, formerly of Matilda Bay, um, and uh, Bacchus Brewing up here that was a really nice little pilsner. Um, but, yeah, no, it was a very hard match trying to come up uh, with a food match when you haven't tried the beer and you've just got a brewer's uh, explanation of the beer. but So I used it as a bit of an uh, experiment and I 
I honestly think that you learn more from a bad match than you do from a good match. Because a good match, you just get the pleasure of it. The bad match, it highlights elements of the beer that were the jarring parts. Um, yep. And yep. so, I, I, yeah, I use it a bit of an experiment. And, you know, I learned, the thing I learned most about it is that there's no pleasing some people. <laughs> Centurion. Uh, no, That's just what Jesus said, sir. <laughs> there, there wasn't a bad match um, amongst the four courses, um, but when and, and you know, I was very open with the, with the punters. I sort of said, "Look, this is what I've done. This is what I've hoped for. We'll sit down and try it now, and you tell me whether I've done that." And you know, for example, I'd done a uh, um, the the pilsner, which was just a nice uh, multi pilsner match. To it was meant to be scallops, chorizo, and rocket. Um, and I thought that would go very nicely with the hoppiness of the uh, Pilsner going with the chorizo um, and the, 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 the rocket pepperiness and then just the scallops to provide a little bit of additional flavour. Yep. <laughs> the kitchen didn't actually do it with the, the uh, chorizo, so it was just scallops and rocket. And it didn't quite work. And so I was really disappointed with it and uh, I thought, oh, gee, I'm going to have think, food thrown at me at the end of this. <laughs> but when I uh, called out the... Um, uh, you know, asked for a show of hands. Half the room still really liked it, and I said, yeah. you know, "And I'm thinking, oh, they're just you know, being nice, and I don't want to embarrass me." And so I said, "Well, actually, I'd, I thought that this was a problem with it, and uh, you know, maybe maybe it didn't work for this." Um, and then took another you know, show of hands, and the, the, the same number of hands went up. And you know, there, there were other matches that I thought were really good, and I thought, "Oh, this is going to win hands. You know, this is going to be a fantastic one, hands down." And you know, a, a third of the room didn't like it, and it just showed to me, listeners, if you're if you're cooking at home, don't think that there are hard and fast rules, because the great thing about it is that we're all different, we all taste things differently, and if anyone stands up like a a, a wine guy and says you need this wine with this food and nothing else will work, they have their head up their ass, yep. and that is why wine is a lecture and beer is a conversation because they all take part. Exactly. So, so yeah, so so that so yeah, no, I just wanted to because that was a, a real learning for me is that you know even what I think is the absolute best pairing is going to um, divide any room. Um, yep, yep, it's all subjective, isn't it? Yeah. And the thing yeah. is, you, you try you try the same match with the same beer just on a different occasion, and you know your head's in a different place or whatever, and you go, actually, that's that's better than I thought last time, or it's you know it didn't live up to last time's expectation. So, you know. True, yeah, that, that, that's, that's, that's spot on. And, you know, if you have um, one match after a different entree, that will be different because you, it's almost as if your taste buds are slightly different attuned. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so it, it's not a science. No, that's right. This, the, the spear and food matching. But um, it is a conversation. Yeah, you know, beer is a conversation and speaking not a science. Of, speaking of which, who are we, who are we conversing with today? Uh, we're having a very quick uh, check-in with the one of the organisers behind the Ballarat Beer Festival. It's coming up in January. Um, and we're also meeting this... Uh, now that there's this young uh, brewer from Western Australia who started making a bit of a name for himself. You may not have heard him. Um, we, we've certainly not spoken to him before. Uh, his name is Brennan Varus. Um, little brewery, Swan Valley, <laughs> called Feral. Right. Okay. Now, uh, it's just in the back of my mind there somewhere that that name's just ringing a bell. Have, have you ever spoken to him before, Prof? I have, actually. I have. Have you? Yeah, not on Radio Prof. Oh, News, though. On another podcast, perhaps. <laughs> Much as it's been promised. Stay tuned, so, listeners. Uh, it's finally happening. But it's not the one that you thought it was going to be. 
No. Well, there's a lot more, and you know, it's been look. It's, it's been a big week. Um, one of the things we're talking to Brendan about, um, apart from uh, his beers and uh, the, the exciting things that he's got happening in his brewery, is uh, he's also one of the um, organising committee of a new National Craft Beer Association that uh, launched the, last week, um, yeah, late last week it launched, and. Uh, Judging by the traffic on Brews News this week, there has been phenomenal interest. Uh, actually, it's been a huge week. I think it's been our big, biggest week ever on Brews News, and not just because of Craft Beer Limited. Um, but yeah, it's been a, a huge week. So people are you know, starting to think about beer. You know, the the, the 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 flowers are out, the beer ads are in the papers, and people are listening to Radio Brews News. Bring, Roll on summer. Bring it on. Well, we, we might get on and very quickly uh, chat to Simon from the Ballarat Beer Festival, and uh, I'll see you on the other side. Look forward to it. And yes, we're joined by Simon Coughlin, who's one of the uh, trio behind the Ballarat Beer Festival. Simon, welcome to Radio Brews News. Good morning, Matt. Thanks very much for having me. My dad, we know where it is, but what is it? Why is it? And uh, tell us a little bit more about the Ballarat Beer Festival. Look, the, the Ballarat Beer Festival uh, started, as, as, as all good things start, with a, an idea over a couple of beers. Um, my business partner, Tim, uh, and myself were... Uh, lamenting the fact that um, being in a regional area, we're, we're really interested in craft beers, but there's not really a lot on offer. And we thought, you know, what can we do about this? And we know that people love to get together on a, in a social occasion. Obviously, you know, events are growing and becoming far more popular. And we said, well, let's not, why not, let's not, why not, sorry, I should say, put on a beer festival. Um, so that's where it began, and it's grown and grown. And and uh, I suppose the the momentum that it's gathered has been really fantastic, and we've been really surprised by the enthusiasm that not only uh, you know brewers and the like have have got involved, uh, but also the you know the, the punters of everyone's you know rearing to go. Can't wait to see it happen. So that's uh, it's all coming to fruition on the 21st of January next year. Now, just uh, you talked about your business partner. You you actually work in the hotel uh, game, don't you? Yes, that's right. We've got two hotels in Ballarat: the Golden City Hotel and the Western Hotel. So uh, we, um, you know, we're we're heavily involved in the industry, and and uh, you know, we we spend uh, the majority of our time in Ballarat, but do you know enjoy getting down to Melbourne and and love the variety that's on offer down there. And I suppose really um, are keen to try and introduce those um, you know those exciting new products and, uh, and options, you know, to, to the regional market. And Simon, how does how does Ballarat sort of feel about it? Because I guess we sort of get the impression, Matt and myself both do a lot of beer tastings and beer dinners, and, and you talk about the history of Australian beer, and particularly for a, a Victorian, the, the Ballarat, the gold rush, that was when all the, you know, the sort of the German and the English and the Dutch immigrants and a lot of the brewing um, sort of history first started in Australia, it was almost like the epicentre, and yet now, like you say, it's a regional centre, it's it's massive, but the beer has sort of really uh, sort of become a bit of a, a non-issue. So Yeah, absolutely. Look, it's, it's a really interesting uh, really interesting one, Matt, because, I mean, Ballarat, unfortunately, has been a victim of, of just unlucky timing, I think, in that regard. Um, the Ballarat Brewery, uh, you know, was an enormous producer of beer, you know, that rivaled CUB. You know, from um, you know the early part of uh, you know sort of early to mid part of the century, right through till I think the CUB takeover sort of finished in about the mid 80s, from memory. Um, you know, and that was really the death of of the Ballarat Brewing Company, as as you know Ballarat Birdie, as people know it. Um, my great great grandfather was actually the founder of the Warren Heap Brewery, which amalgamated then with. Uh, McGill's, um, and they they then became the Ballarat Brewing Company. So it's it's something that I've followed very keenly, and and um, 
um, you know, I'm very passionate about. And I think, you know, if the timing had been slightly, you know, maybe if it, the brewery had been able to hang on another 10 or 15 years, we really could have got on the on the coattails of the of the craft beer push and the, you know, and the microbrewery and the boutique beers and all that sort of stuff, which, you know, really probably revived and, and, and breathed life into a lot of those old breweries again. It, and it, it's interesting uh, that you mention that because what you're looking at in the, the beer festival isn't just a uh, a beer festival or only beer. It's very much a community event, isn't it? You, you, you've got some uh, bands coming in. You've got uh, a big focus on food. Yeah, absolutely. Look, we're we're keen to um, you know promote craft beer in a in a very um, you know in a, not only a responsible manner but in a manner that um, that invites everyone to come and enjoy it, and they not, might not necessarily. You know, be be beer lovers, and and the reality is that you know we're hoping that a lot of people will come that maybe aren't necessarily into beer. So we've got um, some cider uh, people on board. So you know, there's cider's a, a big growing market, and um, there's been a lot of interest in that. You know, there's a, a three or four um, local wineries that are on board to to make sure that um, you know if the families come along, there's there's something for those uh, to drink that you know perhaps either aren't into beer or um, have had enough of it by a certain point in the day. And uh, are tickets on sale yet? Tell us a little bit about prices and tickets and that yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Tickets are available through Ticketek, so we've uh, um, they've become a great marketing partner and, and helped us, um, you know, get the get the word and get the product out there. Um, the official launch is not till uh, Thursday, uh, sorry, yesterday fortnight, um, but we are uh, sort of getting everything organised now. Um, essentially, what you're looking at, uh, we think we're providing great value. Um, the entry for the day is $35. Now, um, that's for a whole day's entertainment. There's going to be a live stage uh, that starts at 11 in the morning and goes through till uh, 8 in the evening. Uh, there's some, some world-class entertainment on that, which we're very excited about announcing uh, in the launch in a couple of weeks' time. So you, um, you can't give us local... a little hint about... You can't give us a little hint about who's uh, who, who might be coming? Oh, look, I, I can I can allude and say that... The, that one of the uh, one of the axes just got back from Glastonbury, and uh, it's a critical acclaim over there. Uh, and, and another of the uh, performers is very, very well known Australian soloist. Uh, so uh, you you will, um, I think, everyone who's who uh, you know is, is thinking about coming when they see who's on the on the lineup, you know, I think it's going to generate an enormous amount of interest. So. The brewers might and get not, jealous. And, yeah, not to forget to a very good friend of the program, uh, our very own beer diva, Kiralee Walton. That's right, Kiralee's, uh, Kiralee's on board, she's uh, helping us out and we've got uh, uh, Charlie Pickering from uh, from the project, it's now called, uh, from Channel 10 and uh, Charlie and Amada Hughes are coming on as beer ambassadors and they're, Charlie's actually a keen home brewer so um, they'll be up for the day as you know, as well as a host of others so you know, we're really excited about um, you know, everyone that's uh, you know, I think embracing the excitement that, um, that we've so far managed to... Uh, to, to collect. What are the long-term plans for the uh, event? Are you looking at uh, making it an annual event and growing it over over the years? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I mean, I suppose when we started this event, it was two blokes having a discussion, and then we quickly realised, you know, how much work was involved. So there's, there's four of us now. One's a, a full-time event manager. Uh, one's a full-time uh, event marketer. Uh, and then there's Tim and myself more as the, I suppose, the operations type people. Um, we are hoping to obviously run a, a successful one-day event this year. Um, I would like to see that grow into a, a two-day event in, in you know, look, best case scenario, year two, maybe it's year three. Uh, it really just depends on, 
you know how we can um, pull the, pull the event off in the first year and and obviously you know we're we're there trying to provide a great event for for not only the people that come along uh, to enjoy the festival but for the participants because at the end of the day um, for them uh, you know putting their money on the line and and their time and energy it's got to be about getting their product out there into the market and and making people realise that um, there's so much better beer available than. Uh, than drinking what they've been drinking out of a can for the last. And there's certainly going to be plenty for um, plenty for everybody uh, who does get up there. Like you say, it's and we should should point out. So it's Saturday the 21st of January, and it's so That's it's a, at this stage it's it's a one day event, which is great. I think for particularly for a startup because it means that everybody can get in there. It's not like oh you know we can only get there one day. We're going to miss you know so and so on stage, or we're going to miss you know the how to brew um, presentation or whatever like that. But also you've got um, you've got Bridge Road Brewers, you've got Holgate, you've got Coinda. Um, Matilda Bay, Squires, Mornington, um, Mountain Goat, Prickly Moses. There's a whole heap of um, brewers who are coming up. Yeah, there's 20, you know, 20 microbrewers, and some of them are bringing up to sort of six, six or seven different beers. So, you know, there's going to be um, there's going to be plenty to, to, to pick and choose from uh, and have a look at. We've got a, a great tasting system that's going to allow people um, with a, a tasting token. So, one tasting token is a dollar fifty, and that's a that's a hundred mil tasting. Um, so the idea is, you know, we're obviously encouraging people to get around um, and, and try as many different ones as possible. Um, you know, we're providing a great tasting glass with a lanyard, so you can hang it around your neck. You can you can manage something to eat in one hand, and uh, you can you know you don't have to put your glass down and, and be looking for all those those sorts of things. So we, you know, we put lots of effort into it. There's going to be some great gourmet food. We've got um, you know food to, to cover all uh, flavors, tastes, and uh, and preferences. So there'll be uh, something for everyone there. We've got entertainment for the kids. So it is very much focused on providing not only a, a great day for beer lovers, but for people that you know they can bring their families and and really make a, a day of it. The, so the website is uh, Ballarat Beer Festival. Yes, all that's one right. www.ballaratbeerfestival.com.au, uh, and there's a link through there to Ticket Tech. Uh, there's lots of information you know available in terms of uh, uh, booking. Um, you know how to get to and from. Uh, you know we're encouraging people if they're coming up from the metro areas to jump on the train. We're really lucky to have a great service. Um, you know we're only I think I think it works out to be 1.9 kilometres uh, the city oval is from the station, uh, and there'll be a bus service for those who pre-purchase their tickets. There will be a complimentary bus service running on a loop from the the railway station up to the city oval and back again. Um, so uh, look, it'll be a a great uh, you know beautiful picturesque spot the city oval. So. Um, you know, there's plenty of lovely big trees and shade. So, uh, fingers crossed, we'll get a lovely uh, Ballarat summer day, and uh, it'll be a, a terrific event. And the sing along on the train home will be free. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Whether or not we provide earplugs is yet to be uh, confirmed. So, oh, I thanks. I reckon it's going to be a very quiet trip on the way home because I reckon they're fitting so much in to on the city oval one day. Everyone's going to be asleep on the train on the way it home. Could be. I think that the gentle rock of the uh, of the the nine oh three back to Melbourne could be um, could be an interesting trip. <laughs> well, Simon, good luck with it. We'll speak to you again before uh, January, and uh, no doubt Pete and I will be there and uh, be able to join in the festivities. But thank you very much for joining us on yeah, Radio great. Brews Thanks News very today. Thanks for having me, Matt, and, and good to talk to you, Pete. No worries at all, Simon. Thanks. Cheers. There we go. That was Simon uh, Coglin. And uh, Prof, I, I just think I should point out at this stage that even though we, we've got a uh, logo for the Ballarat Beer Festival on our website, and it's you know, a bit confusingly under the supported by, but no money's changed hands for that. So we didn't get Simon on to as a uh, you know as a, as a advertising thing. Um, I, we put the logo up because I, I really like what they're doing, and they they really are trying to 
you know, cross-pollinate a little bit of beer culture out into in, into Ballarat. So uh, Australia Brews News just supports people who are supporting good beer. Yeah, exactly. You yeah, know, it's de- definitely well worth supporting, and um, and that's yeah, that's that's the reason that we've done it. Um, what I probably didn't mention, and we should have, is of course Ballarat or beer beer university, um, Ballarat University. A lot of uh, Australian brewers whose work we love uh, to drink today uh, got their, um, if you like, their technical knowledge, a lot of their uh, professional skills or um, qualifications from Ballarat University. And so it's, it's really been, you know, a seat of, of beer. Um, and yet, you know, like, like we just discussed with Simon, it's, it's sort of fallen by the wayside a little bit after such auspicious beginnings, you know, back in the 1850s with the gold rush and, you know, where there were, you, you couldn't turn your head without bumping it into a, a brewery or a brew pub or, a, uh, you know, a bloke selling beer out of a barrel on the side of the road. And um, it'd be good to, to give, it, give it some support and get it back where it belongs as a, as a, a big regional beer centre. Yeah, and I mean, it'll be nice. I mean, these, I, I think you and I have talked in the past about, uh, you know, watering the beer deserts and uh, the, the more events that can be out introducing more people to craft beer, um, you know, the, the, the better. And I know there's a bit of a debate going on, you know, with the Craft Beer Limited about exactly what craft beer is. Um, but there is a big yeah, part there's of the population. Was, was, was there something on Australian Brewers News? There, there was, <laughs> and, and we're just about to talk to uh, Brennan Virus about that, so uh, we won't go into too much detail. But you know, I, I really think you know, there are some good reasons for it, but I think people get up, hung up a little bit too much on the definitions. And you know, um, the Australian beer landscape will be much more interesting when more places are pouring more beers than just Carlton Draft or Forex Gold or. VB, as good as they are and as pleasant as they are to so many people, you know, we, we want a diverse landscape and there are lots, there's lots of room for a lot of players within that landscape. Exactly. Well, on that note, we might uh, get in and have a bit of a chat to uh, Brendan Virus. <laughs> the, the, Brendan, the, Brendan Virus, the name rings about. Haven't we, haven't we already spoken to him? Wasn't he one of the original? No, 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 we're not going to do I, Sorry, listeners, I did promise myself that, you know, I wouldn't pick on Matt at all, but I couldn't help it. Sorry. Yeah, no, I, I do. Look, I, I, I just, yeah. <laughs> hey, I'll say let, no let, more about it. Let's face it, <laughs> I'm not one to pull back on a kicking, uh, you know, w- w- when it's d- d- uh, justified and I am, <laughs> it, it is fully justified in that I get a kicking uh, from you and Brendan. So, uh, yeah, don't, don't hold back on my account, Prof. Listeners, don't turn off now. Hang around for us talking to Brendan Varus because it'll be much better than anything we've ever spoken to him about before. So you haven't missed anything <laughs> up until this point, starting now. And at long last, we welcome brewer Brendan Varus to Radio Brews News. Brennan, welcome to Radio Brews News for, I'll have to say, the first time. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Um, and it's good to be back. <laughs> I, I do have to <laughs> don't spoil the I, magic for the kiddies <laughs> I am sorry Brendan I'm, I'm very very sorry but let me put it this way if, uh, if I hadn't have lost that first interview that we did we wouldn't uh, have an excuse to, to chat now uh, and we've got a lot more to talk about so uh, we might push on well, that's good. Now, I, I thought you were just looking after me because I was mumbling and stuttering all the way through the last one and it, um, you, you lost it to save me if if we let those sorts of things uh stop a podcast from going out pete and i would never be heard um but uh now welcome to radio brews news and uh look i I guess the big news and it's it's really driven a lot of traffic to uh the the website this week is craft beer limited um 
you were on the steering committee that's uh, been part of pulling it together. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what it is, what you hope to do with it? Yeah, look, Craft, craft Beer Limited, um, let's cast the name aside. Some people tell us they don't like that, but it is what it is for now, and we'll see where that goes in the future. Craft Beer Limited is really just um, really a group of us that have got together. Um, having seen what national beer associations can achieve in other countries, and also having been in this industry for a while and feeling that there's a lack of cohesion and, connect- and connectedness between the craft brewers. Um, it's really just a case of some of us saying, well, why don't we get together and see if we can do it and put something out there and um, and try and do some good, try and see if we can't um, improve the image of craft beer and the, I guess, the impact of craft beer in both the trade and consumer's mind. I guess it hasn't been an easy gestation. You've been out consulting uh, with the industry since uh, May. I, I think the, the first uh, group of uh, brewers got together to sort of start nutting out a, uh, uh, a mud map of, of, of where you want to be. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, what, what you did as a group to uh, consult the industry and you know, how you got to the, 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 the point that you formed the association? Yeah, as I say, it started with, with five of us in a room, um, the Courthouse Hotel, I think it was, um, a good beer week in Melbourne earlier this year. Um, we went from there and we pretty openly um, straight out of that room told people what we we're going to try and do uh, and um, we were open about what we were going to do and why we were going to do it. Um, within a few weeks we had a, a draft, first draft of Prospectus out. Um, we took some feedback in and we've made I think three revisions of that since, since that time um, and we launched live uh, I think for people to be able to sign up and join about 10 days or so ago now. From the from the first incarnation, um, where the definition... Um, actually, I'll, I'll take a step back. Um, there, there's been a little bit of uh, angst uh, around the definition where uh, there are people that are very passionate about craft beer that aren't really happy that or don't believe that the definition that the association has come up with um, to say what is craft beer really reflects what they would like craft beer to be. Do you want to tell us a little bit about you know, how the association has defined craft beer? Yeah, well, we might as well chuck out there what, what I've seen as the big, um, the big talking points and certainly the definition has been going round and round in circles with that. And as a group of five, we had, uh, before we went out to the big wide world of beer, um, we had trouble working out where that should sit and how that should sit and, and what it should be. So when the closed room of five people have trouble, we kind of knew... Uh, in advance that there's, if we had five different opinions, there's another 130, 50 breweries, whatever it is, we're probably going to have 150 different opinions on that, and that's turned out to be the case. I guess the other one's also been um, a bit of talk about contract brewing and, and labelling and, and how that should be dealt with within the context of of um, a national um, brewers association. Um, but, look, we took a very inclusive approach and... and my, my personal take on that um, was that we need to look at it from the perspective of the consumer um, and like it or not, when a consumer goes up to a fridge, he's going to see your fat yaks, he's going to see um, beer from Mountain Goat, he's going to see beer from Murray's, he's going to see um, beer from Jan Squire uh, and he's going to call that all craft beer. Um, I, I might just step in and explain there for, for the listeners that maybe aren't sort of right into the uh, sort of nitty-gritty of craft beer definitions that uh, some people get upset when the uh, craft arms of the multinational 
uh, breweries, uh, Matilda Bay, um, which is owned by Foster's, and uh, Malt Shovel, which uh, is owned by Lion Nathan, um, are there is a fairly strong uh, view amongst some people that they shouldn't be included in an association, um, that, the, uh, that the association that you're setting up should really only include a small independent Australian breweries. Um, so that, that, that's where you're going with that? Yeah, that's where we're going with that. We, we kind of think it needs to be looked at by the consumer and they don't differentiate whether it's um, a privately owned brewery making the beer or whether it's someone with a big lot of shareholders from all around the world making the beer. They look at a fridge, they see a beer, and they consider it craft. And that's kind of where I where I thought we should be basing our definition and and, and the way we move forward. Um, and I think that's probably the most unifying way to do it. The last thing we want is to have to go and rein, reinvent a definition of craft and have some people in and some people out. And do you like you know your beer's good, so you're in, and your beer's bad, so you're out. Um, You've got 10 shareholders, you've got three, you can be in, you can be out, you, you, you can't. Um, we thought that was the cleanest way, the most inclusive way um, to define it. Um, but then going a step further than that, one of, one of the things that was always keen was to, we were keen to do was to ensure that where the bulk of the number of the craft breweries were, they would be the breweries that managed to drive the agenda of this association. And so when you look a bit deeper into it and look into our the structure of the board and the management of the association, we'd expect the way we've got that set up to ensure that, you know, your smaller privately owned craft breweries are always in charge of the agenda. Why isn't there an association now? I mean, craft brewing has been around since the uh, late 80s. I guess you, depending on exactly where you, you, you say it started, um, it's, it's roughly around uh, when the sale and anchor started in uh, in your neck of the woods in, uh, in WA in the late 80s. Um, We've had a couple of brushes of craft breweries and smaller breweries coming up, but there is no national association. Um, why has it taken so long to, to even get to this stage that we can start arguing about uh, or you know, start looking at a, a, an association now? Yeah, well, I guess we're a big country, um, physically big country, so there have been state bodies. Um, their effectiveness has been variable, let's say that. Um, so, so there have been state bodies um, part of the reason is why maybe there isn't one is because quite simply um, things as simple as the definition could never be agreed on so it never got done you know we always stopped at the stopped at the first stumbling block um, <laughs> I, I've actually compared it uh, this week um, with all of the heat of the discussion it's a little bit like the uh, uh, Republican debate um, uh, an overwhelming majority of Australians want an Australian to be the head of state but when we had our chance we were so busy fighting over what we replace it with that we didn't actually put in place what we wanted in place you know we were fighting about the model not you know yeah. making the change and then working out what that model should be yeah, and that's exactly um, probably the reason why it hasn't happened um, I guess the key thing was what one of the key things I'm, I'm hoping people hear and, and realise is that we're a group of five that actually just want to get it started. Um, we think we've set up a structure that's going to ensure that the bulk of the breweries will always be driving the agenda. Um, and once, if everyone gets on board, or once people get on board, it's it's not us as a steering committee that have got it to this point that are going to be having any say whatsoever in, in the issues um, that get dealt with and how they get dealt, dealt with. It's going to be the breweries that decide that and the members that decide that. Um, so 
I, I just think people may be getting too hung up on on it not being exactly matching their business, so they don't want to be part of it. Um, they're part of a broader industry, and I think they need to accept that um, the view and the opinion and the weight of views and opinions across an industry is, is the way the craft beer has got to go forward. It, well, I mean, we're getting a little bit hung up on definitions now. I guess we should look at what the um, association wants to achieve. You know, you can spend all day um, debating definitions, but as this moves forward, um, what mission has uh, craft beer... Actually, <laughs> but before we, uh, we, we go to that... Why the name? It it it, it, it sounds like a uh, you know a, a cross between a, a national broadcaster and a uh, a, a beer reseller. Look, look, our intention was to to register um, Australian Craft Brewers Association Limited, um, and there are people wiser than me that will tell you why it's got to be a limited company. But evidently, that's the way these associations need to be run. Um, that particular name got snapped up by another party just a few days before we were ready to launch. So um, we came up with a few other alternative options and they all seemed to be owned or nearly owned or close to owned by someone else. So this is what we've ended up with. I don't get hung up on names of things too much. I don't think it's going to affect what we do and the way we do it. Um, so for now, it's Craft Beer Limited and we'll see what happens with that as we go forward. Okay, Craft Beer Limited is, is the name. What is the game, or what's the aim? Yeah, look, the, the aim firstly is to really improve, to drive awareness and understanding of, of uh, what craft beer is, and and that's got to be a two-pronged attack. Part of it has got to be to the trade, which is where us as brewers sell most of our beer into, or almost all of our beer into, except for the case of brew pubs. Um, so, so that we can have a, a good, solid offering um, that craft brewers can go to the trade, a, a consistent message, this is what craft beer is about, this is why you want it in your establishment um, and and try and get them understanding, a, having a consistent under, uh, message to them about that and then obviously some direct public interaction as well um, to in, increase awareness to the public of what craft beer is. Um, so there's that, certainly education of, of the brewers in the country and the breweries and helping everybody make better beer is, is important as well. Um, to that end, I mean, we've already, having only been launched 10 days, Brad Rogers has been working really hard in the background um, and he's, he's um, with the IBD, organised for Craft Beer Limited to run their Craft Brewers Day as part of their next um, IBD conference in Melbourne next year. And we're working very hard on getting uh, an Australian Craft Beer Limited conference up and running during Good Beer Week next year. So we hope to have some really... Um, experienced and talented brewers from Australia and overseas um, making some talks on subjects that are really relevant to the craft brewer. And when I say the craft brewer, I don't mean a great big um, brewery. I mean guys like myself that just need to know how to get a little bit more extract out of their small brewery or um, those type things, really relevant day-to-day practical stuff that's going to help the small brewers. So we've been working hard on that. and then I guess it's just a bit of an under... There's obvious, obviously, part of it's got to be growing the industry too. So we kind of put the size of craft beer, if you look at our potential membership um, and, and our definition of about 2% of the beer market, and we hope to be able to um, assist brewers in growing that up to 5% in five years' time. So there's some, there's some kind of line in the sand type goals that we're, um, we're, we're working on. 
and we kind of need everyone to get on board and be part of it to see if we can achieve them. And you, you did raise there that you, you highlighted the fact that you were uh, you know a, a small brewer and that the craft um, was relevant to you. Yeah. Don't you worry, you know, about having the, what you make as craft beer being uh, you know stolen by uh, a Japanese-owned company putting out uh, their, their own brand that they call craft beer? Aren't you worried that the public's going to get confused that what you're making is the same as what they're making? No. I mean, at, at the moment, the people buying my beer are already buying beer made by big breweries and considering it craft. They were doing that before I started making beer, and I won't say they'll be doing it after it because I hope to be doing this for quite a while. Um, so I'm not worried about that at all, to be honest, I guess. Um, yeah, the, an association that we've got doesn't stop me from marketing me as being 100% Australian-owned, um, small, whatever. Absolutely nothing in an association stops, stops any brewery from marketing what is independent about it and what they think people want to know about it. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't see having been involved at all, at all being a being an issue for us personally and I don't I don't think any brewery should but I know people have different views on that. Speaking of different views Brendan um, and I, I know it's it's early days already uh, but just just the sort of the you know the the ear to the ground kind of assessment um, what, what sort of percentage of the Australian brewers are sort of are pretty much on board and understand um, and are supportive of, of what the steering committee has set up and is trying to do versus the ones who are either uh, not convinced yet, or are convinced that it's not um, the right way to go. What, what, what sort of num- what, what sort of percentages yeah. that take up, if you like? Yeah, I'd say there's, there's of the ones that don't. There's probably half a dozen to a dozen that I know personally that flatly don't like and have and have, um, and have said they 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 won't be involved in it. So there's probably a dozen there. Um, there's a few that are on the fence, um, and that's because of a, a last minute. Um, uh, another offering that was thrown out there. Um, so that so that's probably made a few sit on the fence that otherwise would have got on board just just out of um, not being sure what's happening and why. Um, and then there's a heap of people that we're talking to that um, like a big percentage of people that uh, yep we're on board and it's probably just a matter of getting them to put their pen to paper and fill in their form and get it back to us. Yeah, and so depending on um, which definition you, you sort of use, but so if we say the number of brewers is what 120, 130 across the yep. country, yep. So we're sort of about what you know 90 to 40 thereabouts, mm. or, or 80 to 60, or 80 to 50, or. Well, look, I know we've got 20 members now within 10 days, um, and I kind of know probably another 20 brewers that have indicated they're thereabouts. So that gives us 40, and then. Um, we just need to get a bit closer to the others, I think, and just um, make make sure that their their understanding of of what we've put out there is accurate. Because uh, I'm sure, typically, once we do have a good one-on-one conversation, and explain what we're proposing, people are very accepting of it. Um, and also making sure that they've read the most recent version of of what's out there, rather than the, um, some of the earlier ones. So, um, yeah, I just to answer your question, Peter. I mean, I'm sure. I'd be surprised if by the end of the year we haven't got 50 plus confirmed signed up members, and then um, from there we'll see what happens. And then there's also a next. There are other levels of um, uh, of membership. So there's yeah. the, you're a, you're a brewer 
and then there's also uh, associate members, and then is it an individual member or a um, like yeah. interested party membership kind of? Yeah, that's right. So I mean, the the, the voting class is just for, for breweries um, to join up, so that they can. It's important that the the breweries are driving um, where this thing goes, not interested parties. So there's the brewery part. There's an associate member, which is often industry suppliers, um, and they've actually jumped on board really, really quickly, all of those guys. It's been good. Um, and we've probably got half a dozen, in, probably, I guess, ind independent or um, personal-type memberships as well. Um, and I guess one of the things we're going to need to start working on um, quite quickly is, is, is what we can, um, what kind of value we can get for those indiv independent people because the main aim is to... Uh, help the breweries grow their business, but we also want to make sure that our that the independent people are interested are getting some value for their membership too. So, you know, that's one of the things we're just working through at the moment. Yeah, and just to clarify for those who are, are unsure, so the the, the brewers uh, make up the if you like the the hundred percent of the of, of those who can vote. And despite the many different, like obviously your business model is different to say uh, Moobrews, uh, which is again different to Bridge Roads and it's different again to Red Hill. And so all of them have sort of various different um, business models, but each brewery will have one vote regardless of their output, regardless of um, their volume, regardless of the size, regardless of the number of people on the board. Each, each brewery name will have one vote correct, in the association. Yeah, yeah, so the pay, um, there's a fee structure behind that too, and that's based um, loosely on volume. Um, but regardless of whether you're paying lots of fees because you make lots of beer or not many fees because you don't make much beer, you still just get one vote. Um, and it has, and then within within that voting, um, it's really for board places um, where it comes down to we've made sure that different sized breweries are equally rep represented across the board. So. Um, your, your nano slash pub brewer category, which is, we, we've defined as zero to 100,000 litres, will always have one seat on the board. Your, um, your micro brewery category of 100 to 300,000 litres will have one seat on the board. Um, and there's regional craft brewers, which sit from 300,000 to a million litres. Um, again, they'll have one guaranteed seat on the board. Um, and then above that, there's your uh, national craft brewers, which um, so it's a million litres and above, again, one seat on the board, and then three three floating seats, which will effectively be by popular election. Um, so the way I see them going is it's going to be the categories that have the most members, um, which would be the zero to probably the two categories, the, the zero to 100,000, 100,000 to 300,000. I suspect we're probably picking up those those last three board seats as well, just to, make, just to ensure that um, the breweries that have the most numbers of... Um, have got the most representation on the board. Well, mate, we might actually talk a little bit about beer rather than politics for a second, hey? Well, um, let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've covered now, all that. Congratulations. Uh, a, a, another magazine who uh, seemed to have nominated everybody in Australia for some sort of award, uh, but through except, all of that, uh, <laughs> except for us. <laughs> Um, even Crafty managed to get a gong for something. Um, but you were named uh, Brewer of the Year. Now, I have to say that if we were in the business of uh, running uh, awards, um, that would be something that we would uh, throw our weight behind as well. Congratulations, uh, Brewer of the Year. Tell us a little bit about what you've got in your tanks at the moment. Well, at this time of year, it's, it's, it's going to be Hop Hog, Feral White, and that's about all. Um, 
So we've we've kind of put away the specialty beers for the next couple of months, and it's all about um, uh, digging ourselves out of out of a few commitments that we made to customers and making sure we don't run out of beer during during the busy beer season of November, December, January. Um, but that said, pouring on tap, we've got some fun stuff that we've we've made over the last few months. We've got the beer that we call the King Brown, which is an imperial brown ale that spent a few months, and I can't remember how many exactly, in a in a in a heap of um, 60-year-old Hennessy cognac barrels. That's a really interesting, intensely flavoured beer. Um, but just, you're, you're sounding a little bit like a uh, cravat-wearing wine guy, uh, you know, 60-year-old Hennessy. Are, are you a cognac drinker yourself? No, I actually don't like cognac at all. <laughs> but I said, it puts a lovely little spirit note through, through a, a, a rich, multi-brown ale. So um, it actually did add a whole another layer of complexity to to the beer. So credit to credit to the spirit guys for that. And in your, in, in your usual um, sort of, uh, I guess... You take it seriously, but you have a fairly casual approach to to the way that you sort of experiment with your brews. You don't sort of set yourself, okay, it's going to sit there for exactly three months. You just kind of you just kind of taste it as you go, and then say, right now it's ready. Let's uh, keg it or bottle it or whatever. Yeah, with things like that, it's pretty easy. It's simply because we, you know, we've never put beer in a spirit barrel before. I know there's plenty of brewers around the world that that do and do it regularly, and and they have a bit of a formula. But for us, it was just a case of try and keep ourselves away from the barrel for a few weeks and then when we couldn't wait anymore we taste it and taste it regularly from then and when it was ready it was ready so and from memory it was about three months but yeah something like that and not not that we've not that we've spoken to you before on radio bridge news but the last time we possibly could have spoken to you you were uh, there was a bit of construction going on and you were uh, improving the size of the of the brewery is that all bedded in now and is that um helping you uh, sort of keep the the customers happy yeah, not yet. So we just, um, I mean, the timing's pretty good. I think we can probably announce formally for the first time that we've, um, we've got a new brewery on order. Um, a decent size one, a 50 hectolitre brew house. Um, we just um, put a deposit down on it's in construction now. So we're still battling away with our very small pots and pans for this summer. Um, and it's proving difficult. But yeah, kind of from you know, March next year, we'll be able to take all our main beers, which is Feral White and Hot Pog and Golden Ace, out of our little brewery, and they'll just be made in our new brew house, and then our existing brewery now will be kind of a dedicated to our beer brewery from here going forward. That's a question, I, I, when you mentioned before that you're only allowed to do, well, well you've only got capacity to do uh, Feral White and your Hop Hog, which are your two biggest beers. Yeah. How hard is it for a little brewery to keep up? Because the, the beers that you make take a little bit longer to produce than a, uh, you know, uh, a mainstream um, lager. Mm. Um, how, how easy is it to keep up with demand for your beers? Yeah, look, we push our beers through pretty quick. Most most of our beers need only about a ten day tank residence from from kind of from brewhouse to bottle or from brewhouse to keg, um, so we can move them through, you know, at a reasonable speed, but that said, we our, our brewery is very very busy. We've only got a very 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 small amount of space, um, and at this time of year, uh, we're relying on some beer that we made a couple of months ago to help us get through to the end of December type thing. It to to kind of supplement what we're going to be making as fast as we can over the next six weeks. Was it a big leap of faith to? Build a new brewery, you know. I, I guess it, it's easy to say, "Well, we we have outgrown this one," yeah. but it, it, I guess it takes a bit of confidence to say, "Well, 
this is how big we need and we'll be able to pay for it um, with, with the beer sales. Yeah, it totally was, because for us, we've always been, until, well, even to this day, very much brew pub um, focused. And so by that, I mean, we, we started with the intention of making beer for people to come out here to us and drink and then have something to eat. So almost more like a hospitality business than a brewery. Um, and so for us, it's a big step now to go and get a brewery that's got to stand on its own two feet and not have a busy bar and restaurant to support it. Um, so, so our mentality, I guess, is going to change a bit in the way we operate as a company, but certainly won't change at all when it comes to the way we go about making our beer and um, any of our uh, decisions that we make in relation to beer quality and product formulation. That, that stuff I don't see changing at all, but we just might have to get a bit more commercial in the way we offer our beer around the country. Don't don't use the C word. You're going to upset people saying <laughs> that. Uh, I'll throw. Uh, how about we use them all? I'll chuck in their core range as well. <laughs> how, how, how about we chuck in the uh, uh, staying open so I can keep making beer next year? Uh... <laughs> yeah. How, how, well, let's just, let's just say we, let's say we want to share share more of our beer with more people. <laughs> and as as a Queenslander who finds it very very difficult to get your beers, uh, we thank you for that. Yeah, well, hopefully that it won't be too difficult to that. And uh, so, have you got anything planned? You, you've been playing around with the sour beers. Yep. Um, they have gone very well. They've had a really good name. I, I tried them in uh, actually when we last spoke. Um, not that you've been on the show before, but when we last spoke, um, it was just after Good Beer Week, and I tried a couple of the sours down there, and they were fantastic. And that's something that you want to you're planning on doing a little bit more of. Yeah. So our existing brewery, which we're kind of getting out of a tiny little brewery getting you know, just over 400,000 litres of beer a year out of it at the moment, we're hoping to get about that amount of sour beer out of it now. So it'll be dedica- our existing brewery is going to be dedicated to making just sour beer once we get the new one up and going. Um, and that will allow me to get back to doing what I like, which is making beers that I drink every day. Not that I don't drink hot poppers for a while, I do every day. Um, but, you know, Passion for me is in the sour stuff. Um, it's the real fun part of brewing. It's the, it's the part of brewing that hasn't had all the science done and run on it, so it's a bit like kind of driving by feel, so to speak. Um, and so I, you know, I guess that's also that's one of the motivators for us getting the um, putting a new brewery in, so that we can get back to doing some of the some of the other things for fun that we really love. Well, just tell me a little bit about your approach to sour beer. I mean, it, it's something that. Uh people that are into their beer will know a little bit about lambics and gers and those sorts of things what's your approach what what do you model your beers on um and and what's your inspiration in in making these beers yeah i, I guess philosophically for us it's important that sour beers are sour beers it's not they're not just um barrels of beer so we certainly want to be able to and in a position to have people buy our sour beer and buy it all the time and have it taste the same. And so in order to be able to do that, you need a lot of barrels and it's important to be able to blend between barrels to blend back to a speck and a flavour all the time um, rather than just make a batch of beer, let it go sour and whatever comes out is what it is and it's different every time. So we've got some, some set flavour profiles in relation to um, you know the components of making sour beer um, and they're effectively um, the previous flavour extraction so in our case we're using used Chardonnay and Shiraz barrels so we, there's, a, there's a set amount of the, the previous flavour extraction that we're going to blend back to um, the actual barrel itself how much wood we're going to want to you know a, a, a consistent level of wood character 
and then obviously acidity and funky aroma we, we kind of want to have that always for the particular beers matching almost day in day out so that um it's it's not not just a guesswork thing but we're actually like we've got the same disciplines we do when we're making hop hog or feral white there's a spec that we want to meet um in this case it's, the spec's more going to be about flavor profile than anything else but we want to be able to blend back to that all the time. Tell us a little bit about how you got into brewing, um, because you know you, you're still a fairly young guy. Um, what, yeah. what, what, what what got you into the? <laughs> that, that was a compliment. Um, <laughs> I, what, right, I had a go at um, beer and brew magazine because I, I was surprised I couldn't be still the young brewer of the year. <laughs> Um, well, when you were a little bit younger than you are now, um, how, how, how did you get into brewing? Um, it was, I was kind of kicking around doing a, um, uh, a science degree in uni, didn't know what was happening with it, where I was going with it, just about how it done. Um, and went off to, went off, did a trip down the west coast of the US with a friend of mine and, you know, that's all your fantastic brews that they've got there. Um, came back, did a couple of courses through the IBD, brewing courses, um, and then started working for a company that built breweries called DME. Um, so I did a bit of project management and project brewing with them for a while. Um, but, to, but really, from the day I got back from that trip in the US, which I think is around 95 or 1995, 1996, it was always kind of the intent to get up and get a brewery going for myself. And and you did that in the uh, lovely Swan Valley. We did that in a, in Swan Valley in two thousand and two, so that makes us nine years old out here now. So you you would have seen a lot of changes uh, nationally um, in, in the beer scene since uh, two thousand and two. Um, where do you? I, I guess this is a bit of an unfair question. Uh, where do you sit in the uh, debate, Victoria WA? <laughs> you did you need to ask that? Um... <laughs> Look, there's, there's there's plenty of good stuff going on in around the country, and to be to be honest, oh, I think the hospitality operators in Victoria and and the other liquor sellers and liquor merchants and things in Victoria have very quickly opened their mind up to craft beer, um, probably faster than the rest of the country, um, and it's I guess some great work from the local brewers and, and their local family over there. So Victoria's going great guns. I'm actually uh, starting to see some cracks in the dam wall up in Sydney as well, um, a lot more a lot more interest coming out of Sydney. Um, but WA, I think, is always going to be recognised as, I think, the home of craft beer in, in Australia. That's just a personal view. What, what, what well, do you one, think? one of the things I've noticed, though, to be... Um, it's been a real change. Um, back in 2002, when we weren't that busy, and I'd make beer and then I'd try and see if someone would put our beer on tap. Um, the question that we were always asked first was, how much does it land for? What's the land a unit cost? Um, whereas now, if I happen to drop into or be talking to a publican for whatever reason, and I ask him about putting beer on tap, it's no longer about what's what's the unit cost. The first question we usually, oh yeah, what does it taste like? Um, and, and to me, that's a huge change, um, and it probably means that, um, well, to me, it tells me that things are really moving in a good direction when um, rather than just being price conscious and how many cents per litre can you give me a rebate, they ask me, um, what did you be a taste like first? What do you think it is about WA that saw um, the craft 
um, beer movement really get started over there? Yeah, it's got to go back to Matilda Bay, really, and, and the Sail and Anchor Hotel um, down in Fremantle around the time of the America's Cup and just before that. Um, you know, every man and his dog from WA would spend some time in Fremantle and, and the Sail and Anchor and Matilda Bay were up and going and going really well back then and, and producing great beer. Um, the Sail and Anchor now is not making beer there, but um, as a beer venue, it is, <coughs> I think, second to none in Australia and if we want to listen to the Beer and Brew Awards, it actually won uh, Best Beer Venue in Australia a couple of weeks back. Um, you know, they've got 40-plus you know, taps and full of craft beer and outstanding imported beer. So whilst beer's not being made there, it's certainly in WA still the home of, the home of good beer. But, yeah, really just back to the Matilda Bay thing at the time, and uh, I understand that the Lord Nelson was up and going a bit before that, but... Uh, in a small city like Perth, when you've got something like Matilda Bay and, and the Sail and Anchor Brewery going, they got a lot of traction really quickly and the word got out quite quickly about what craft beer was. And Brendan, where, where to from here? What are the um, what are the key issues do you see as, um, as either you know, important to, to embrace in terms of moving craft beer forward or alternatively that are a, a threats to it sort of... Uh, not moving forward. What is, you know, is it excise? Is it distribution? Is it um, education? What's where do we go from here? Yeah, consumer education is a big one, and and brewer education is a big one, and beer quality as well. Beer quality probably first and foremost. Like I say, we want people asking what does it taste like, and then when they get the chance to taste it, it's got to taste good. So we need to make sure that every beer that gets represented as a craft beer is a good one, if possible, um, and. From that point on, I, I think things will just begin to flow. Um, a bit like if you think back a few years to to the office, maybe 10 years or 12 years, it wasn't that unusual to have a, a tin of international roast coffee and that was the coffee that everyone drank. Um, these days, yeah. if, if the office doesn't have a coffee machine in it, you go downstairs and you buy yourself a, a good coffee. So I kind of see beer going the same way. As people become aware that there is more out there and there is better beer available, they'll naturally uh, select towards it. That's not a bad little analogy either because, you know, the, the coffee revolution has seen uh, both little independent coffee makers and Starbucks, um, and there seems to be room for both of them. Yeah, beer's a big market, and, and, and craft beer's barely scratched the surface of it. We're kind of, I think, lucky enough at the moment that um, demand is out... out, out um, is bigger than, than supply. So there's plenty of growth going on. That's not always going to be automatically the case. Um, it's important to work hard now to uh, increase the awareness to make sure that the demand grows and continues to grow because supply is certainly going to grow at the rate that new breweries are opening and that um, people are upgrading. Um, we are going to have to work at it, but I, I just think given how such a small part of the surface has been scratched, I'm just pretty confident that um, the future's looking pretty good. Prof, you got anything else? No, no, no. That covered off the bits and pieces that I wanted to. I've just I've ticked all my things on the page here. <laughs> Brendan, is there anything else you want to have a um, say? Um, look, we've covered the craft beer limited thing pretty well, but I, I would just really encourage everybody to think long and hard about what they do in relation to a national association. Um, you can do great things. You can witness it in America. You can witness it in New Zealand. Um, people may not realise just how effective it can be and, and, and how it can help them as a brewery. 
I just really strongly encourage everyone to cast aside personal bias and um, and self-interest, look at craft beer as a whole industry and, and get on board with it because um, I, actually, I actually personally feel that Craft Beer Limited could be a bit of a watershed day for, for craft beer in Australia. So it's a bit of a personal plea for brewers to um, have a good level head look at it and and having done that, hopefully they'll get involved. Uh, the couple of uh, articles that we've posted on Australian Brewers News are certainly drawn, uh, apart from record numbers of hits, um, have also drawn a lot of uh, comments uh, for and against and questioning and, and uh, you know, looking, seeking clarification, that sort of thing. So at least it shows that, um, yeah, at least it's not being ignored. Um, mm. There's obviously a fair bit of interest in it and, and hopefully what we've done today is answered a few questions for, for some people, um, kept the debate going if nothing else, and then uh, we can follow that up, such as the, the joy of, of, of being immediate and online and, um, and being able to, to follow up on these things that people can read over the next couple of weeks, you know, follow the, the conversation. And, um, and I guess, if nothing else, the, the answers are there, and, and then it's up to them, I guess, to, to make their own mind up. Yeah, exactly. The answers are there, and let's not just concentrate on the negatives. There's, always, there's a lot of positive there too. That's as good a place as any to leave it, Brennan. Brennan Virus, thank you very much for joining us on uh, Radio Brews News, and thank you uh, for making such great beer. Thanks for having you guys. That's all right. Don't, don't, think, don't, don't thank us. <laughs> yeah, don't thank us yet. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but listeners, if you're listening to this now, then it happened. If, if a podcast is recorded and no one hears it, did it ever really happen? Uh, okay, Brendan, thank you very much for that. Thanks, guys. Bye for now.